0: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome to Dr. Connie's House Calls for the month of July, and I'll tell you, it is sweltering and hot. Outside, I know that two days ago was National Hot Dog Day. You could have grilled a hot dog on the pavement in Phoenix. So, welcome into our show. I hope you're someplace cool. I'm in a nice, cool studio in Phoenix. I was told by Josh, our our uh, our guy here in in the sound booth, that. My group is the first to broadcast in the new studio here, and so we're breaking in the new studio. It's really cool, it's nice and cool here in central Phoenix. So it's sort of nice to, to be the first, isn't that? But it comes with responsibilities, right? You sort of pave the way for everybody. So as usual for our show, I start off, start off with our honorable mentions to the month of July. First of all, on a, on a sad note, 1st of July uh, is the... My memory of my late husband john who passed away in nephi utah three years ago on july 1. on that same day our dear friend dan Grunfeld's daughter nicole passed away as well and god bless them uh, today by the way would have been my father angel mariano's 98th birthday happy birthday dad dad passed away july four years ago there's a lot of people up there in heaven i really hope they're praying for us i we sure need it more than ever Happy events for the month of July are a special wedding blessing for Sabrina Devereaux and her husband, Peter Wymas. I I had the honor of doing their blessing at the Hotel Dell on July 2nd. Also, wedding day this weekend in San Diego for family members, Angelia and Kevin. Congrats, guys. Sorry I can't make the wedding, but I'm sending Jason and Aaliyah, Andrew and Aaron out to celebrate. In my studio, and you're going to hear from them, uh, is my son, Jason Stevens, and his beautiful wife, Aaliyah. They're my guests, and this month, they celebrated their second wedding anniversary. Also celebrating this month is Alina Pepper. <clears throat> she has been on our show several times, graduate of Dartmouth, and she is starting her big job in venture capital for medical products and funding in New York City this month. Congratulations. Happy birthday, Alina. My daughter-in-law Erin Stevens celebrated her birthday this month. Today, July 21st, <clears throat> I call it the 21 Club. Several birthdays in addition to my late father Angel. This is Ray Williams's birthday. Happy birthday, Ray, dear friend of mine. And Dr. Richard Tubb, who is former White House physician who followed me at the White House and took care of George Walker Bush and serve very well and good friend of ours. My Aunt Rita turns uh, 88 tomorrow in the Philippines. At the end of the month, my granddaughter, Addie Stevens, turns seven. Happy birthday, Addie. Valerie Kosmicki, my favorite sister-in-law, is having her birthday the end of the month. Also, I'm gonna list some other dear friends. Happy birthdays in, in July, Margaret Perry. Dr. Jerry Evidente, my dear friend Jeannie Damon, Marjean Weber, who is mother of Rachel Leonard, who works in my office. Christine Gannon, good friend of mine. Nurse Chrissy Pacheco, who's been on our show before. Talk about special nurses. Dr. Asha Devereaux, happy birthday, Asha. Joycey Sullivan, dear friend of mine and John's. Harvey Alpert, Joanne McDowell and Marsha Meyer, both good friends sharing the same birthday. Lori Adams and Maria Culpin. Our dear friend, Jerry Kemp in Ohio. Vita Rowe in Paradise Valley. Dr. Daniel Amen, world renowned neuro, uh, neurology expert, studies brainwave function out of Costa Mesa. Happy birthday, Daniel. Vicki Logan, Warren Adelman, Megan Davis Lightman. Dr. Todd Hurst, expert in cardiac health care. My psychic friend, Annette Bricka. She knew as a psychic that I would mention her on this show. She's been on my show before. Carol Martin, happy birthday, Emily Adelman, Conductor Case Scaglione in Paris, happy birthday, Case, Patty Good. I want to also do a special mention to family member Mary Tess Lansang-Hinko. She is the daughter of my first cousin, Joe Mariano Hinko Jr. in Pensacola, Florida. Mary Tess has been promoted to Lieutenant Colonel in the United States Air Force Nurse Corps. I'm so very proud of her. Uh, our ties go way back. Her father, this is, let me get the Gen X correct. Her father, Joe, his mother was my father, Angel's sister. And his father was my mo- mother, Lourdes's brother. And he's the reason I'm here in this life, because after he was born, my father, who was active duty military, flew from Colorado Springs to the Philippines to visit my cousin Joe, and his parents to see the new baby. And that's how my parents met. My mother was a dentist in that little town. That's how she met my dad, because of my cousin Joe. So thank you, cousin Joe, for being born. Thank you and your wife, Gina, for having Mary Tess. I was in the delivery room when Mary Tess was delivered at uh, Balboa Naval Hospital many years ago when I was a an intern rotating through... GYN. So I saw her before her parents as she was delivered into this world. I also had the honor of administering the oath of office as she was commissioned in the U.S. Air Force 17 years ago in Florida after she graduated from uh, nursing school. And so her story is amazing. We'll have Mary Tess and my cousin Joe on the show in the future to talk about (laughs) what our family has done through the military coming on board. So in addition to these events i would mentioned, July is known for a very special event in our nation's history. We celebrated America's 246th birthday on July 4th. Now, traditionally we celebrate with picnics, barbecues, sales, fireworks. Sadly, over the past few years, especially this past year, there are a lot of people in this country, and if you look at the media, who really don't want to celebrate America. In fact, they'd rather bash America, which is to my chagrin. Uh, They apologize for America, which really disappoints me. They criticize America. In fact, quite a few of them sound like they hate America for what it stands for. You know, I don't know about you, but I find it rather ironic that those people who bash America use the very freedoms that this country gives them to turn around and bash America. Don't don't you find that quite interesting, right? And I also find it interesting in a country that is so bad, according to them, that there is a mass deluge of people coming through the borders into our country versus people leaving the country. If it were so, so bad, why aren't we leaving? Why are people coming here from everywhere? So just make you wonder about that, right? I sort of question that. And there are people who you try to argue, you try to be kind, and they shout you down, and they yell at you, and they call you names. And you know, guys, that gets really old, doesn't it? So I, I, you know, that's really old. So when they start yelling and screaming, you just take a deep breath, you say a prayer for them, because you're not going to convince them, right? It, that doesn't work. So you go on your way, you wish the best, you pray for their guidance, and you live your life. But it is tough. If you turn on TV and a lot of the networks, it's who you're hearing from there's a lot of argument and the beauty of this show is I don't want to fight with people. I don't want to argue with people. I, I get to pay for this show on my own. I don't have us other sponsors from any particular party. I took care of Democratic presidents. I took care of Republican presidents. They're all the same without the clothes on, folks. As a doctor, you're all the same. So people are people. So I think people who are the most appreciative of America are the ones who know what life is like in other countries who come here and realize, oh, my gosh, this is such a better life. And this is the case for my family. I'm talking about my family, the Mariano family, that in honor of America's 246th celebration, I want to share that family history. And I wrote about it in my book, my memoir that came out 12 years ago, and which actually that memoir has been optioned. To Hollywood, and stay tuned in a couple of months, hopefully, maybe by next year. You should have a TV series coming up, and we'll do a separate show about Hollywood. But I want to talk about what is good about America and what I'm appreciative about America. You know, my family came here to this country through the U.S. military, through the United States military. In 1901, President McKinley signed an executive order allowing up to 500 Filipinos to enlist in the U.S. Navy. Now, after the Philippine independence in 1947, Filipinos were allowed to volunteer for service in the U.S. Navy under the military bases agreement. This agreement ended with the end of the base agreement in 1992. So it it was under this executive order that allowed my father's paternal uncles to join the U.S. Navy. So they were born and raised in a very small village in the Philippines, didn't have a lot of money. And they sought opportunity. They wanted to leave their homeland. So they joined in the 1920s. And at that time, if you were Filipino, you came in as an enlisted serviceman, not an officer. And you came under the core of a steward. Now, what's a steward? We call him now mess specialist. A steward, in a lot of ways, I looked at what my dad did. You were really a glorified houseboy. You cooked and cleaned in the homes of admirals or captains. You served in their homes for senior officers. (laughs) You did their laundry. You got the uniforms together. You walked their dogs. You took care of the cooking, cleaning, all those things. You took care of it. It provided them good pay, education, the benefits of good health care, and an opportunity to live in the United States and to become American citizens. So it allowed them to escape the poverty of their lives in the Philippines. It allowed them to get out. So my father joined in 1946. And why did he join? Well, he wanted opportunity. I asked him, why would you leave the Philippines? He said he was born in poverty. Uh, There were 14 of them. His mother had died after the seventh baby was born. My grandfather remarried, had seven more kids. All those sons, all his sons joined the military. And my father joined because there was no hope in his homeland. So he enlisted in the US Navy. And it gave him an opportunity for a better life. (laughs) He served close to 30 years active duty in the Navy. He loved the US military so much that he wanted to be buried in his master chief uniform. And we made sure it was that he was buried in his uniform, the uniform of this country. So the military tradition of serving in the US Armed Forces continued in my family. I once counted how many years of active duty service the Mariano family has served, and it's over 200 years. We have one death in our family. It was my cousin Jude Mariano, who died on active duty about, I would say, over 20 years ago. He was stationed in Qatar. He died in an accident. He came home in a body bag and died with the American flag on his casket, and I did his eulogy. And so he was the first one to lose his life in service to this country. My father's cousin, Rosario Mariano Perkaiser was the first officer in our family, retiring with the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. I was honored to be the first family member to become a Navy Rear Admiral. In fact, I was honored to become the first Rear Admiral in the US history, in US history of Filipino descent. So I'm gonna pause there for a little break and then I'll come back to talk about the U.S. military and the blessings of what we've gained in our family and why I really believe in this country and I'm so grateful. So stay tuned more on House Calls with Dr. Connie. Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on
2: guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Who's your doctor?
3: When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious who looks after the President of the United States?
2: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica.
0: You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome back on House Calls, and God bless America. Happy birthday, America. And in our of this country, I'm sharing my American story. And every person in this country has an American story of how they got here. Unless you're Native American, you came here on a boat or on a Boeing. My family came on ships uh, on the big Navy gray vessels. God bless them for doing that through the military. And so I was sharing of my family background up to me. I want to share then about the next generation, about my sons and my grandchildren. And I'm very fortunate to have in studio my youngest son, Jason Stevens. He's here with his wife, Aaliyah Stevens. A little bit about Jason, Uh, you know, it's funny. I I said, well, could you submit your bio? And I said, well, I thought, well, I should know his bio. He's my kid. So Jason Stevens grew up as a Navy brat. (laughs) He was born in Ventura, California, while I was stationed there as a lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy, stationed at Port Wyneme. His early childhood was in San Diego. I think he remembers some of that. But when he was three, he was moved to Alexandria, Virginia, with myself, his father, Richard, and his older brother, Andrew, While I was stationed at the White House. So you can probably ask him what it's like going into the Oval Office, meeting the President, uh, meeting Santa Claus at the White House, going to Camp David several times. It was like no big deal, right? So it's sort of, it's sort of interesting. So he went to school at uh, Montessori School in Virginia. (laughs) He went to a Christian private school in Virginia. We moved to Arizona in 2001 when I retired from the Navy and moved out here to be at the Mayo Clinic, attended Scottsdale Christian Academy, and then Arizona State University majoring in business. After graduation, he took time off to tour the country to play bass guitar, to follow his dream. And so he performed in the Ike and Dolo Band, and I interviewed them on my show many, many years ago. And the whole band was here. And so that was his first time. This is his third time on my show. And then Jason realized, gee, I really want a real job. And so my late husband, John, who's a businessman, said, well, Jay, get a job. You know, how about, you know, work for a call center like at Target? great company, so he worked for the call center at Target, and they realized, well, gosh, you know, you're a college graduate, you probably should apply for a little higher position. So he applied via Zoom for a a call center supervisor job (laughs) at Target in Minneapolis, right? And so he got the job over people who are already there, he moved to Minnesota. How many years has it been? Eight years? It's
4: been
1: eight years. Now. Eight years. And the best part of that was he met Aaliyah through church and we get to meet her. Uh, he he that is now home for him because he has a snowblower and he's got a little <laughs> bit of that Minnesota accent, eh? He knows how to ride a boat on the lake. He uh, went on that? he went on to get his MBA at University of Minnesota, graduated with honors two years ago. Uh, happily married to Aaliyah then. He is a brand manager for General Mills, great company, Golden Valley, hey, Fruit Gushers, Cheerios, all those great products, uh, shamefully promoting that. That's right. So he's here. Welcome, Jay. Good to be here. Now, Aaliyah, Aaliyah Stevens is fascinating. She was born in St. Paul, Minnesota. Her father, Jim, get this, was born in the Philippines. Uh, They're Caucasian. I am the Filipino here, but her father, Jim, is more Filipino than I. When I first met this guy, he's like six foot seven, tall white guy, and he starts to converse in very fluent Tagalog, and I'm like, hey, dude, I I do not understand that. (laughs) And he explained that he is the inverse banana. He is yellow on the outside, white on the outside, and I said, well, you, I, that's what you are, I'm the banana. So... He was the son of missionaries he was born in the philippines he lived there was 16. he was dual citizen uh came moved to uh iowa he met uh his wife leah's mother and uh, the mother of four children leah's the youngest in uh, in university at, at, at iowa state so Aaliyah, uh, the youngest and the only girl, spent her years growing up in Minnesota, but she spent time in the Philippines, so she's lived overseas. Her family has huge ties with the Philippines, so she knows what it's like. She attended high school in Minnesota. She received her under, undergraduate degree at Iowa State, and she is a registered dietitian in Minnesota working for the WIT program. helping counsel women and families about proper dietitian and nutrition. In their free time, they love to travel and visit me. They love to boat, they love music, they love to sing, love to hike, uh, travel. They're a delightful couple. So welcome, Ablea. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. You know, we didn't tell you that part of the hazing to become a member of this family is you have to be <laughs> on the radio show. We made uh, we made Aaron do this as sort of an act of you know, you've got to prove if you're really part of the family, you've got to be on the show. It's the broadcasting Mariano Stevenses, And eventually we'll get the grandkids on because they all have to step up to the mic, right? All right. Step up to the mic (laughs) so welcome Um, let me start with your questions because i'm always curious about this jason stevens growing up in a family where you see two cultures right your mom's filipino american but your grandparents who are truly filipino never left the culture even though they became american citizens were a huge part of your life and then your father's side family are caucasian uh ethnically uh dutch you know the flutes are dutch german english So how was that? Uh, How did you identify as American? Were you Filipino? Or how did you feel about that growing up?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And really something I've thought a lot about, I think, as I've gotten older. There's a lot of discussion on kind of how do people identify with which cultures. I think growing up, um, I very much felt like an American, and we were proud to be an American. And even though we would go over... Every summer, um, so growing up, uh, as my mom mentioned, um, you know, I grew up on the East Coast for nine years, and then we had family back in San Diego. Every single summer growing up, we would go out to San Diego. We would spend time with my Filipino grandparents for a week, um, and then my white grandparents for maybe a few days too. And um, I don't think I ever really viewed us as being different, which I think was a good thing. I think everyone, I think my brother and I felt very accepted, and I think we very much understood that, America is a melting pot, right? So we could be in a great American city like San Diego and we can go to the beach and go to SeaWorld like everyone else. But then we can also go and have backyard barbecues at my great aunt and uncle's house and we can eat really different Filipino food and really enjoy that. And so I I always just grew up in that house of my grandparents um, and saw a lot of the awards, whether it was, you know, my mother's high school awards or whether it was any of the military awards that people have earned or newspaper clippings. And I think the biggest thing was just understanding that my family has come a really long way and that there is quite a land of opportunity we have in America. So I think that's sort of how I reconciled was that I felt like an American, but I also (laughs) felt like there was something unique and special about being Filipino. Um, so never maybe one hundred percent embraced by either either the Asian community or the white community, but kind of in this fun middle ground, which mm-hmm. is sort of a fun way to play.
1: Aaliyah, but to you, in your family, you know, you have Filipino. Your 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 dad's culture, family growing up is very Filipino. He he speaks Cebuano. He speaks all these dialects. I think you'd mentioned that we when he and his siblings get together, they speak Cebuano, and it's quite interesting. You even lived in the Philippines, but your identity. I mean, even though you're Caucasian. You're American, American citizen, obviously. You live in the Philippines. What is that culturally like for you? There's such a mix of the Filipino culture. I find it interesting.
5: Mm, Yeah, that's a great question, too. And I think that's maybe something that drew Jason and I together was that, you know, even though both my parents are Caucasian, um, you know, there's kind of an inner Filipino in my dad and just the way he thinks and processes um, life here. And so that was something that kind of Jason and I just had an understanding of like how how our parents approach things, um, kind of have coming from both sides. But I would agree, kind of both opportunity and just freedom overall, you know, having the opportunity to live in several countries and travel. Um, I know not everyone's able to do that, but I'm just so grateful for the way it's opened my eyes to the freedoms that we have as Americans. Even, you know, uh, I had the opportunity to teach English in China when I was in college, and um, we met a Chinese national who uh, was a Christian, and he had to hide that. He, you know, was carrying a Bible and was walking down the street and was arrested for a period of time just for having a Bible. And so um, there's just a lot of things I think we take for granted uh, here in the U.S., but um, we're, we're given so many freedoms that we should just have so much gratitude for. So,
1: yeah. You know, I look at you and the two of you, such a beautiful couple, Jason is mestizo, as they say, part Filipino, part Caucasian, but and then you're purely Caucasian. But there was a time in our history, in American history, back in the 1920s, they had anti-miscegenation laws. They had laws where you could not mix. Filipino men could not marry white women. They were prohibited. In California, specifically, you could not do that. Uh, you know, it's like mixing black and white, right? So we have come a long way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time, and you know, even I, when I married your father in 1979, there were people looking at like, oh, you, you know, you're it's like mixed, right? I go, what, what's, you know? So we have really come a long way. I mean, I have friends where the husband is African American, the wife is Caucasian. It's like, so, and you do too at your wedding. It was a beautiful couple. And I don't even see that anymore. I mean, people don't. I think we have come a long way. I look at where I grew up. In the 1960s in Washington, D.C., in the March of America, in the Civil Rights Movement, driving cross-country, and there were colored-only bathrooms and white-only. So what do you do when you're brown? Hmm. So my dad would drive through parts of the South, the Deep South, and he would look for colored-only bathrooms. And we knew we would pick a motel there for all five of us to stay in one room because we just didn't want to be, you know, you know, you see the the prejudice, the up and down look, right? And I rarely, I rarely, rarely get that now. I rarely. I mean, the only time I get any type of prejudice look is is overseas when people look at me as almost sort of an oddity. Because when they see me, they see an Asian woman, and they assume I don't speak English. So it's busting stereotypes that I always like to do. How do you break up stereotypes? How do you how do you avoid that? But, you know, both of you have really come a long way. And, you know, what embraced it is your commonality and the things you love. And you don't let the color thing bother you. I mean, there are people who are bothered by that, by the culture. Because spiritually, you're very similar. You're both Christian. You believe in in God, in education. You believe in this country. So the things that unite you are greater than the things divide you. And for me, that's the lesson when I see you. I see about the division in this country that you have to look at what you love in this country is more than what divides us. You know, that our love has to be greater for this country than what keeps us separate. And I think that's it. So we're going to pause for another break and then we'll come back. We're going to talk some more because I have some more questions for you. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls to Happy Birthday USA. (laughs)
2: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Who's your doctor?
3: When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com.
2: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
1: I'm on the show here with Jason and Aaliyah Stevens, who are sharing about their American story and what it's like growing up in this country. Both of them are born in the USA, and their experiences. You know, you've got a lot of friends. Aaliyah has lived overseas. Jason has lived primarily in the US. But you have traveled extensively, both of you. And in fact, I had the honor of traveling with both of you this summer to Germany and Switzerland. Obviously, not third world countries. They're lovely places. But going to those countries, were there any things that were different from the US or similar to the US when you look back at Switzerland and Germany?
4: I'll let you take that. Switzerland one was awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if
4: anyone hasn't had a chance to go, highly recommend. It was our first time going to Switzerland. I think some of the things I noticed was it was extremely clean. Mm. I think people really care about. The environment, they really care about taking care of their surroundings. There's not a lot of litter anywhere, um, which I would say is a, a positive probably to the US. I think another thing that I noticed that was maybe a similarity, um, there was a, there seemed like a lot of work ethic for, um, and focus on vocation. And I think in some ways, we can maybe learn a lesson or two by how they do things there. I, I'm no expert in, in how they, set it up in switzerland but the way that they do their schooling it it has a lot to do with they kind of give them sort of a an internship if you will or something that they get to work on their junior senior year in high school so people can actually get a job before they turn 18. Mm-hmm. they can get experience what it's like they can know what it feels like to get a paycheck for the first time and then they can sort of at that point figure out if they want to go back to school and what it would be in and i think just giving young people the opportunity To get into something to learn what their passion is or what their calling is and 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 make a living and learn how hard it is (laughs) to make a living uh, i think is a really important thing because i think that in a lot of ways in the us and probably abroad we've gotten so fixated on the end result of working Um, you know whether it's getting a paycheck or buying the thing or impressing your friends on social media but i think there's also something really good about work and i think it's something that really helps. It can bring people together. It can give you a purpose. It can be a way that you can use the gifts that you have. So um, probably a lot of different ways we could take this conversation. But yeah, I think that Switzerland was a delightful place with a lot of really great, beautiful, natural um, spaces to discover. And in a lot of ways similar to the U.S. and how we just have this massive country with two coasts, which is different from Switzerland, but there's just a lot of resources, I think, that... um, That we've been able to um to work with here
5: thank you how
1: about
4: you Aliyah?
5: yeah i was just thinking about uh, differences and one thing that we were told and observed as well is there are a lot of uh, like celebrities or um just people maybe in uh, yeah i guess celebrity status i'll just say Um, and they're able to you know walk around switzerland without any fanfare without Mm -hmm. um, paparazzi or anything Mm -hmm. like that where you know here in the u.s it's like you know you have your Your fangirls, your fanboys, you know, trying to take as many pictures or selfies with them. And so I think there's just freedom for people to just be there, you know, people culturally aren't, you know, in their face, I guess I'll say. Um, So that was kind of a difference I observed. But a lot of the similarities that you were talking about um, with their water. It's very clean. Mm -hmm. Um, one of our tour guides, you know, just stuck her hand in the fountain out in the main public square and said, you, anyone can drink out of this. People fill their, their water bottles up and just so very clean, like clean glacier water, um, clean street spaces. So.
1: Yeah what I liked about that country too, they have term limits, six years you're done. And I think that's huge to have term limits. They have five different parties. They rotate, everybody votes. They also require military service of all the men. If they don't want to go into military service for two years after high school, they give them some other thing, like a Peace Corps. And I think that's good. I think there's a lot of things in their culture that we can learn about. I still, I still, again, love this country. You know, we, we're having a hard time in America. We know it. But I also think our culture has gotten meaner. You probably have seen it on social media and among your friends. It's a, it's a nasty, it's a mean time. And I think do you think social media has a lot to do with this? What do you think the media, what, what's your thought about media? Do you think that's been involved in that? Yeah.
4: I think, like any other tool, it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Mm-hmm. So I think social media is no different. I think it's given certain causes a pedestal. Um, so certain people maybe that didn't have a voice at the table or certain groups have been able to meet other people that are like-minded Find a sense of belonging, rally toward a cause, or maybe even expose some things that are the dark underbelly of what's going on in society, you know. So that's one piece. But then you also have just a lot of sort of stream of consciousness, and you have a lot of people that are really just focusing on hate. Um, Mm -hmm. And as we know, the algorithms of social media are created to encourage people to disagree. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have a negative emoji versus a thumbs up, right, that one's probably going to get more engagement, more, more visibility on the platform. So, I think it just really depends how you interact with it. I do think, though, going back to the Switzerland and the US piece, I think that really um, another thing is just people being close to family, I think, matters and is important. I think the US you know, one of the good things is people can move to different parts and there's lots of opportunity. But one of the downsides is you can start to feel more fragmented. You can have part, you know, family where everyone lives in a completely different place and there's not the same sense of the belonging or the legacy or the village maybe that in a smaller country like Switzerland, you might feel that. Mm-hmm. And so I just even loved that when we were in Switzerland, they talked about how in the wintertime when they go skiing, not like the US. Like in in the US, we go skiing, you go for a day or two, and you just go all out the whole time. You don't stop a lot going down the hill. Maybe you get a drink or something, but it's just pretty intense. But they said in Switzerland, when you're skiing on the Alps, you're with your family, you're with Mm -hmm. your friends, you're taking your time, and you're not worried about the destination. You're just enjoying yourself and the whole process. So uh, to kind of put those ideas together, I think that we're a society that is really focused on work, but almost maybe forgets what the good things are about work and that it is, in fact, could be a good thing um, and a meaningful part of life. And then also maybe a lonely society, right, where we're, we're fragmented from our family and friends and then we just sit on our devices and we can use social media as a way to sort of vent out those things that we're feeling. But ultimately, I think the magic happens when you can bring people together, when you can put the phone down. And when you can get people to embrace the outdoors when you can get them to embrace some shared activity, because I think when we do that, we realize you have way more in common with people than you think.
1: That's true. How about Mm -hmm. you, Aaliyah? Your thoughts?
5: Yeah, kind of backing off that, where my train of thought was going is I feel like it it can uh, give us a false sense of relationships and knowing people, and um, without truly meeting with them and understanding where they're at and supporting them in a different kind of way. When you're really one-on-one with someone and living life together, and so, not that social media is the enemy. I think you know it, it is a good platform, and people are are able to do good. But I think, yeah, it it kind of strips away that real relationship with people. Um, that that's something I've I've observed, and I think. You know, personally, I, you know, it can feel like people get angry at one another without really taking the time to understand where someone's coming from. You know, you see a, a blip of an infor- piece of information, or they call it like meme culture, sharing stories without really thinking of the implications, um, and so I. Yeah, I think it can just kind of cause these barriers between people before you really know someone's heart. And everyone's coming with a whole set of life experiences, right? Like you came to America and you have this story. Like everyone has been through all sorts of things that bring them to where they're at now. And if we just took the time to really connect and talk to each other and understand where each other is coming from, I think it would be more helpful than just seeing a quick post and creating a judgment about a person. So, yeah,
1: it's yeah. it's so such a rapid... Uh, judgment of somebody. I think we have changed in how we respond to disagreement I think when somebody disagrees now if they revert to name-calling and emotional Nobody just comes down. Let's let let's explore that concept. Mm. They become defensive. They name-call. It's no longer Looking at the principles about it. It goes right to the personality You know you may disagree with the principle with it, but you you shouldn't attack the person. I mean mm-hmm. And it goes back to freedom of speech. You know, the freedom of speech that I am granted based on the Constitution and the the amendments, the the rights from the amendments, is freedom of speech. And so that should be the same for me as somebody who totally opposes what I believe in, but we should also have equal... You know, one is not more equal than the other. And I think, over time, I think that has gone to an extreme where one group more than the other shouts down the other group. Mm -hmm. So they really block their freedom of speech to that that you can't express it and social media has become that platform where it's censored people you know they wind up in facebook jail right if they disagree with that so it's so it's no longer freedom you can't openly disagree with whatever the 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 status quo or meaning whatever you know what's out there in 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 the media so that's make it made it hard But only in America can you do that. I granted, if you tried to do this in Russia or China, you can't do this in those countries, right? As a president's physician, I have traveled to those countries. If you disagree, you disappear. Simple as that, right? To my gay friends who I love, I have them in my family. If you go and you're a gay person in Russia or China, I don't think you can can be a practicing gay person. I'd be happy to prove otherwise, but If you're gay and you want to go live in Russia or China, I think you hide. So you usually don't want. I mean, I think my gay friends, and I've seen it over the years, uh, actually are much more accepted. You know, I don't care if you're gay or whatever. I mean, I just love you as people, right? Mm -hmm. I don't judge you. And I think America has come a long way from that, has come a long way. Mm -hmm. But we're still not there yet. But it's the way we do it. And I, I think it's just a mean, mean time. Every single one of my patients who I see in clinic had just remarked how an angry mean time it is. And I think it's made worse by the pandemic. Everyone's stressed, they're they're tired of being told what to do, can't do this, mask up, shut up, blah blah blah. And it's like enough already. And I and, and it's it's a sad time that I see. But I I think, you know, when you but when you talk to immigrants, people who come here from other countries. What have you experienced among your friends? I mean, you've seen it in Minnesota among the the nurses coming over that your father has helped um, emigrate legally to come here to to get jobs. Mm -hmm. What is their impression of this country?
5: Oh yeah, I mean, uh, there again, everyone has a different experience, but um, I will say, you know, They are just so thankful. It's a long process, right, to come here legally and, you know, have all the paperwork in order. Um, But they are so grateful. They come, you know, in tears just thanking, you know, my dad for his help um, in bringing them to this country to give them work that they can, you know, make a living and bring new kind of like new life to their their families mm-hmm. and um they'll they're so proud they send pictures of their grandchildren being born here and you know they're just so thankful and i think you know our heart of gratitude goes a long way and it change like it's it's proven scientifically like if we have a heart of gratitude it, it changes how we view the world um and so i think they just are so thankful so thankful to be here
1: it's so true how about you jay
4: I think my experience, I can draw off, uh, when I was getting my MBA at the University of Minnesota, <coughs> we had a career services, right? And they essentially helped the MBA candidates to land their dream job, because that's why anyone goes back to business school. They want to get a better job. They want a better future. And so I actually was selected to be one of the interview coaches, and just kind of off the record, I love interviewing. It's a weird thing to like, but I think it's really fun but we'll we'll stash that He's on the side. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had the opportunity to be a coach to mostly international students. And so these are people that are either getting MBAs or getting a masters in analytics, really smart people, and I would get the opportunity to ask them some of those fundamental questions that you would answer in an interview like tell me about yourself, tell me about why you went back to business school, etc. So I really got the opportunity to hear from people from all over but from all over the world, and especially people from India and China. And one of the resonating themes through all of these people, I probably talked to dozens of different people, was they studied really hard in school growing up, they had family that was helping them and invested in their success. And then they worked some job, maybe in engineering or business, and they got the opportunity to take the GMAT, which is the entrance exam, to get your master's in business. And then they were looking at schools, and for them it was coming to the U.S., and that was this huge dream. They'll do whatever it takes to come to the U.S. They'll study extremely hard. Their families will invest tons of money on preparation for getting into these schools and the rigorous testing Mm -hmm. and interviews that they have to do. But they would do whatever it takes to get their bright young child into the U.S. (laughs) so they can study at a U.S. program and the dream of being able to get an internship and then be getting to get their dream job at a, at a prestigious company, a tech firm, you know, consulting, whatever. And so that was the, that was my exposure is that really all of these people, you really get to see how important it is to them. And even after they get that first job, and I still see this with people I work with, it's really difficult to get citizenship in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing. I see at what lengths people go to go through the lottery system Mm -hmm. so that they can legally stay in the U.S. And Mm -hmm. folks that will... I've seen people move up to Canada to try to find a way to Mm -hmm. work with the local office in Canada so they can buy more time Mm -hmm. or take on even a different program, maybe even like a second master's or a Ph.D. program so they can find a way to maintain a certain status. Mm -hmm. So it just shows you what great length people go to study hard, to do whatever it takes to get into a school with the dream of getting that great job and being able to have a life and a future in the U.S.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That stood out to me. I think a lot of people take it for granted. I also have seen over the last 15, 20 years something that has died or is dying in our country, and that's really faith, you know, that if you look at why this country was founded, it was for religious freedom. It wasn't to conquer the Indians or you know all those I mean, whatever people make up or believe in. It was to the free themselves from the rule of the English Empire, from the king, to, for religious freedom, and it's to worship in your own way. And there is a reason why our dollar bill says "In God We Trust," right? One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And, and if you look at that, I think what has died is God has died. God has been replaced. God, uh, There are fewer people who go to church who believe in God, and I think what they believe, and this is my thought, my humble opinion, right? People can disagree if that's fine, you know, just don't listen to my show, mm-hmm. that that, God has been replaced by technology and media, that, or the government, that a lot of people, God is, you know, my how many likes I have on Facebook, My what kind of car I drive, uh, how many friends I have, Who, who what political party, uh, that we're God. We don't need God. And I think there's a sadness and an emptiness in these people who are so upset. There's a lot of anger. And I go, why are they so angry? I mean, the people who are protesting... A lot of people I, I see on TV who are politicians or protesting are well dressed. They're well paid. They have cell phones. They have a place to live. They have health care. I don't see them suffering. But why are they so angry? They're anti-life. They don't. They, you know, they're okay about killing. It's okay. And that's a. You know, we can differ about about the sanctity of life. I believe in life. And. And I also believe in, you know, you're in charge of your body, I get that, but I also believe in life, so that's something we have to deal with. But I also believe in God, and I believe in the power of God, and I pray like hell all the time for this country, because it's the sad things that I see happening. But I see the decline in belief in God in a higher power in something greater than ourselves, and then I see this anger that is never satisfied by how many protests, how much money they throw at you, how many freebies you get, because they're never happy, because it's the hole in the soul, I believe. But that's my humble opinion. But going back to our, our, our country, where our, our, our time's almost up here, believe it or not, are any things that you, your prayer for our country or your wish for the country that you hope to see in the next 200 years ahead of us?
4: I think you can hit the nail on the head. I think that faith is so important. And, you know, my wife and I are Christians and really just believe that at the end of the day, you know, the first commandment is really let's let's put God first, Mm -hmm. essentially. And when we put anything else in front of him, even if we put the good things in front of God, they're going to ultimately fall short. So I think that would be my hope and prayer is just for faith um, in God and in Jesus Christ, who really saves all and truly all people.
1: And Aaliyah, you get mm-hmm. the final word here. We close out.
5: Wow, that's that's a lot of pressure. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would echo that. I think like our hope can only come from God <laughs> because we are we falter. You know, we our opinions change over time. Like you're we talking about social media, we post something and. Thank goodness I've changed a lot in the last five, 10 years of my life. And I think it kind of holds us to a certain point of view. And we don't allow ourselves to like grow and change and see other other things um, as true. And so I think, yeah, I think it comes down to like Christ dying and saving us and rising from the dead so we don't have to live in sin. Um, And so,
1: yeah. Well, thank you for your words. And my hope is that... I pray for our country. Happy birthday, America. I am so blessed to be part of this country. My hope is to be part of that movement to make it better, to love all Americans who are here, that we serve a higher purpose to help each other in our country, and that I pray. So thank you all for listening in on House Calls, and happy birthday, USA. God bless you all.
0: Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.